This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the day after the K-State KU game and the PowerCat Questions podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan, Ryan Gilbert. Man, that was like I was shooting a three-pointer with my face and I missed Oh, you ask the questions. We try to answer. We do our best to answer your questions from Wabash Station. You have to be a VIP at GoPowerCat to ask the questions, but everyone can listen to our answers. That's the magic formula. K-State loses to KU 58-41. That's right, folks. K-State broke 40 points at Bramlage Coliseum on Wednesday night, but none of us were there. Ryan Gilbert was declared to be too much of a man to be in attendance at that game. He's been able to attend every other game along with our Michael Goins, but apparently they needed more seating for other media types, and Gills was on the spot and out of his. How was it to watch the game on TV after attending almost every home game? It was good to just lay on my couch and report the game instead of being at the game for, for that game at least. Oh my God. I mean, but I missed it. I missed it. I, what a weird period to be a journalist. I literally laid on my couch, tweeted smart ass crap, watched the game and then came over here to my little desk and did post game. It's just such a weird time for all of us. It's a weird time for Kansas State basketball. The Wildcats, hold on, let me get my stats. They're all crinkled up if you haven't watched the daily delivery. Uh, the Wildcats are now 5-18 and 18 and 1-13 and 13 overall. And, of course, they were 3-24 from three-point range. And the amazing thing is that stat is deceiving because they weren't that good. Check out my daily delivery where I literally can't speak. Huh. That's really good. Really good. Boys, uh, we're sponsored by The Fridge. Have you been to The Fridge today? Probably not. Because The Fridge, ironically named The Fridge, is warmer than the outside. It's the freezer outside. It's the fridge inside. Get to The Fridge. Spend your money. Go home happy. What a miserable bunch of weather in basketball. And Gills is gone. Gills is gone. Gills' unstable internet just ushered him right out of the room. Oh, might be you and me, Zach. Oh, no. Oh, not Gills good. is wanting back in. Admit him. This is, this is modern era Zoom podcasting at its finest. Gills is returning to us. Welcome back, Ryan Gilbert. We're just wrapping up the podcast. You were gone so long. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't miss too much. Oh, you, you, you need did. to tell your roommates to get off the internet. Mm-hmm. Man. Well, everyone's in class thanks to COVID oh. online. So, so you barely have any bandwidth, and everyone else is gone. 
No, everyone's here. Oh, they're on. They're on Zoom. Yeah, yeah. everyone's trying to compete yep. for for a Zoom call. It's more important, everyone, get off. Yeah, what do you? What are you folks learning? What? What? Seriously, what are you learning today? Nothing. Nothing. That's what nothing. Uh, and also, our segment sponsors are Tanners. I'll see you Friday night in the high low. If I ever leave Tanners, I'll come down and say hi low to you too. Um, you know. Uh, the three of us had a beer together. Was that just two Fridays ago or three Fridays ago? It was two weeks ago. Yeah, it was just the Friday before the Super Bowl, wasn't it? Uh, I was just there, you know, kind of hitting my stride around 11 o'clock, feeling good. And then Charlie, the general manager of Tanner's, good friend of mine, said, hey, you do realize we close at midnight. There are a lot of COVID restrictions that don't make sense. That one is the most stupid. I don't understand. I know their theory that people will stay out less late and go home and be responsible. That's not what's happening. As Charlie said, everyone's just moved their clocks up two hours. And now closing time, instead of being 1 a.m. to 2 a.m., get your booze on rush, it's 11 to midnight. And then they go home and have after hours and go to bed at a reasonable time. It's probably working out really good for you, Ron Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what they say, Fitz. COVID doesn't spread till after midnight, so after midnight. I'm not gonna sing, but yeah, get to Aggieville. Go support local business. I don't care if it's bars, restaurants, liquor store, or anything else. Try to support your local uh, businesses, your home-owned businesses, as much as possible, uh, and also um, eat lots of Tanner's burgers. I might do the spot across the street. Ah, Charlie won't mind. Taco Lucha? I might have to do some Taco Lucha because I, I don't know. Now that I'm vaccinated, I feel invincible. <laughs> so maybe we'll do that. Here we go. Let's get going with these questions from Wabash Station. Gills, I hope you stick around. Zach, you're going to read. Uh, Zach, what do we have on today's menu, by the way? It's a bunch of basketball questions in the first half. Well, that sounds delightful. What's the second half? Uh, some football recruiting mm, questions. Not something we normally address here, but we can yeah. talk about it. It'll Let's... be general. We don't need Wally for Ooh, this one. We don't. We'll get through it. Okay. Here we go. Your questions from Wabash Station. First questions from Salt Hawk Cat. Is this team finally realizing the effort needed to compete at this level? They look like they're playing harder. They aren't quite good enough offensively to win right now. Gills, I want your opinion on this. I thought the team competed as best it could, but they were just so bad offensively. I thought they played hard. I mean, they out-rebounded their opponent, which says something. Kansas, it wasn't like Kansas was shooting the ball well. I thought K-State's defense was adequate, good enough. They just were so bad offensively, they couldn't overcome it. But I didn't feel like effort was the issue in this game. They were just inept on offense. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of open looks. They just <laughs> couldn't make any of them. But, I mean, they didn't play if – if you make some shots, they didn't play terrible. It's just the shooting was so bad. But, I mean, go back to the beginning of conference play. That should have been – once you played Baylor the first time, that should have been the moment to realize what you need to do to, to play better. You know, in this – we're almost into late February. I don't think this is the time to – just to ask if they're finally realizing the effort needed. I think that should have been months ago. Oh, we lost him. 
I agree, Zach. I, I didn't think the effort was bad. They were just bad. They didn't shoot the ball well. And when you shoot that poorly, you're going to look like trash. And it was awful. The three-point shooting was awful. And it wasn't just that they were in unable to hit shots. They just continued to take three-pointers. That was what was mystifying. Well, I'm open. I'll shoot it. Clank. I'm open. I'll shoot. You know what else they were giving you? Half-court shots. Why don't you take those, too? You're not going to make them. Well, ironically, Antonio Gordon's hit one of those. I don't know. It was it was maddening. I mean, both teams were bad. Again, just like the first game, any decent K-State team wins this game. Any decent K-State team sweeps this series. I really believe that. But this team isn't anywhere near that. I like the effort. You can tell that there's a much better effort, but you can also tell they're much healthier. You know, this is last night might have been one of the first times all season where you have everybody pretty much available. You know, you have Kazuki, you have Nigel Pack, you have Dejuan back. This team gives me the sense that they're finally able to fight a little bit better right now. And hopefully they can keep the trend up. I know last night was bad. They played very badly, especially on those three-pointers. They need to figure out a way to get the ball inside, and they need to stop taking so many. Even if it's even if it's open right now, it is a bad look. So they need to find a way to get the ball inside. But as long as as long as everybody stays healthy, and they can kind of keep building, and you know if Dejuan can have a game like he had last night, and if he can continue, you know, coming off that injury, I. I kind of like the trajectory at this point. They just need to start taking better shots. We'd like to welcome back to the podcast for the third time, Ryan Gilbert. <laughs> Knock on wood, this is the last time I come back. But you, you sounded like how much of my answer did you get? Uh, turn your video off. You, okay. you sounded like automated gills for a while. Ding dong, ding. ding. <laughs> then you were gone. Well, okay. Next question, Zach. From K Ned. How can making a three get you benched and getting two fouls as a proven senior get get you benched, but openly and vocally disrespecting the coach and not running what he wants you to run not get you benched? Okay, so let's recap. Um, Luke Kazupki, I pointed this out in my, my column, hit a three-pointer with 11.33 left in the game. First three-pointer K-State's hit. They had missed their first 19. How you miss 19 three-pointers in a row defies explanation. I mean, after the first 10, you stop. 15, yeah. Not this team. They persist until Luke Kasupke, freshman, who was supposed to be the sniper, comes in and hits one and leaves it a little bit short, but he gets the shooter's roll because he had a nice spin on it and bounced off the front of the rim and found its way in. One of 20. 44 seconds, excuse me, 49 seconds later, 49 seconds later, there's a media timeout, and Bruce Weber takes him out. Okay, fine. You know, when he leaves that ball that short, leaves it on the rim, he was probably tired. I get it. Luke Kazuki did not come back in until they cleared the bench with 130 left. When he hit his three-pointer, K-State was down by seven when he returned Ten minutes later, they were down <laughs> by 24. I, I don't understand that at all. I would be furious if I'm Kasuki, But he's not looking to shoot enough, so who knows what his real mindset is. I don't quite 
get what he's up to right now with not taking very many shots or getting himself open. But there's a lot of things about last night's game I cannot explain. I can't explain it. They got a dunk right off from getting it inside, and then they just stopped getting it inside. The coach says afterwards they were taking the three-pointers because they were sagging in, which they were, and ignores the fact that your leading scorer scored all of his points by driving to the rim. So it was possible. Um, it was just a, it was a mess of a game. A mess of a game. And KNED, I just want to say it this way. Nobody in their right mind could watch Wednesday's night, Wednesday night's game between Kansas State and KU and think that K-State's problems were entirely rooted in a pandemic. I'll give you that learning offensive rotations and learning defensive rotations and sets and plays without the use of practice is difficult. I will grant you that. But wide open three-pointers. Missing wide open three-pointers. Other teams hardly even defending you. They want you to take the three-pointer and they know you're dumb enough to do it. Missing wide open three-pointers isn't because you haven't practiced enough. Any real shooter could step on the court after not shooting a ball for a week and probably nail three-pointers. They aren't good at putting the basketball in the hole called the basket. Kind of the point of the game. That's not caused by pandemic. That's caused by recruiting. That's really not caused by coaching. That's caused by recruiting. Now, it, it was just an awful night of basketball. From Dr. J54, we hear the team couldn't practice early on due to not having enough players to go five on five. Couldn't they have found ex-high school players on campus to fill in? And are there not ex-players living in Manhattan? And couldn't other teams such as Washburn come in for a joint practice? Or was this just a failure to adapt on Weber's part? Well, I think in fairness, there's probably some protocols in place within athletics about bringing outside people in. You, you expand your circle of exposure at that point. So they'd all have to be tested, you know, and it was going pretty hard on campus. The, the infections were early on. I get that, but I would have brought in enough guys and put them inside your circle as practice dummies. I would have. But again... Okay, so you didn't have enough guys to scrimmage. You really couldn't work on defensive rotations well enough or offensive sets. But you could work on fundamentals. They should be dribbling, shooting, and passing whizzes. Ah, Granted, you can't practice your way into being great at shooting the ball. You kind of have to have a knack for it. But there's no reason to be as bad as they are at those things when you had obvious amounts of time to practice fundamentals. So if you want to blame the coaches for something, I think they misallocated their time. They apparently used their time to work on things that weren't really going to be learned by the players because they didn't have enough bodies. They've said it. Bruce Weber has said it. Going up against managers and coaches running offensive and defensive sets didn't give them live looks, didn't make them understand what we needed. Maybe you needed to work on things they could grasp, maybe strip it down to real simple things and work on the fundamentals. So when you did have opportunities to play, 
he didn't turn the ball over 18 times, which was actually not bad by their standards. You were able to shoot the ball better. You did pass it more efficiently. But they can't do those things either. Yeah, it It's amazing to watch them struggle. And here's the other thing is I think Bill Self understands Bruce Weber's style of play better than Bruce Weber. I mean, I think he just dismantles everything Bruce wants to do in pregame prep. And how many times will K-State fall for the dunk off the tip thing? How many times has that happened in this series? KU wins a tip. Oh, it's a dunk. It ran, they ran a play off it over and over and over. Ah. Shocking. Bill yeah. Sells a better coach. I think they absolutely should have tried finding students on campus, make them a part of the bubble, test them however frequently you need to. I think that that would have been a better investment than whatever they did trying to have coaches and managers running defensive sets. But like you said, Fitz, nothing prevented them from doing the fundamentals, getting better shooting, you know, going to the gym. I don't know how, how many shots these guys put up, you know, in the off season when, you know, they couldn't practice, but they sure could work on their own game. It's not like they were shut out from having access to a, a ball and a hoop. So yeah, the, the problems you're seeing now, I think just says, that you know there wasn't enough work done in the offseason to get to this point. I feel like this team is probably about at the level that they could go out and beat Fort Hayes State handily. That's that's kind of how I feel. Maybe and maybe that's a stretch right now, but at least if they if Fort Hayes State came and played, I feel like K-State would be able to handle that at this point in the season. This is a November level team right now. And I don't know what the the best way to say, hey, here's what we could have done to fix it. But I think having, you know, some bodies in the offseason to to actually show some decent defensive sets in practice, you know, whatever drills you need, extra people to run, maybe. But like you said, Fitz, at the end of the day, each player's can can work on their own individual game. Right. Shooting. You know, just being a gym rat. Gills, are you with us? I am. Can you hear me? Yeah. Barely. I'm on my phone now, so yeah. Thoughts on uh, bringing in guys to help you practice? I mean, if you wanted uh, someone who got cut from his high school team, he could bring in me. <laughs> you know, Gills, you are taller than the average person. Yeah. But you're shorter than the average basketball player. Yeah. I missed the wreck. If I could just have a key to that ice facility, I'd be there every day. I'd be down to scrimmage them whenever, whenever they wanted. Anytime, any place. Anytime, any place. That's what I was looking for, yeah. yeah. Uh, are you telling me that K-State is practicing shooting in a facility called the ice? Oh, mission accomplished. <laughs> Need to find a big donor with, with heat <laughs> as the last name. Steve Makes. <laughs> from Dr. J54 to uh, another question from him to the, the two meltdowns that have bedeviled Bruce Weber's time here, both were linked to a toxic player. Give us your take on how much of that could have been fixed by a different coach and how much of it was just bad luck. No luck. I mean, 
one of the biggest jobs of any coach, and coaches will tell you this, and it doesn't matter if they're junior high, college, or pro, is managing your locker room. Coaching and managing the personalities that you have to deal with. It's the toughest part of the job, probably. And it, honestly, it's a part of the job that he stinks at. Bruce Weber can't manage a locker room. When he now, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very clear about this. He doesn't succeed because he inherits someone else's players. Okay? It helps. He got really good players when he took over Illinois, and he got really good players when he took over K-State, and he succeeded. He inherits someone else's locker room, a winning environment, a cohesive group of guys, natural leaders that you have to have in a team environment that direct the team when the coaches aren't around. And great coaches foster that leadership, cultivate that leadership, and identify that leadership, and with that also identify the guys who could be toxic. As far as I can tell, and I'm not in the locker room, but I do speak to people who have been, Bruce Weber can't do any of that, and he never has. Maybe he did it at Southern Illinois, but I don't see how he would have magically forgotten it. Marcus Foster went off the rails, and that really wasn't Bruce Weber's fault. And I am really conflicted about how he handled it. He put Marcus ahead of program. You can be mad about that, or you can understand that. But it got to a point where he had to choose the well-being of a guy that he didn't want to cut loose because he was afraid his entire life would unravel. And Marcus Foster did find life after Kansas State at Creighton. Didn't find the NBA, ironically. But... He didn't go completely off the rails, and even Marcus obviously recognizes that after we saw how he reacted when he saw Bruce Weber. In hindsight, he understood Coach Weber saved him. In the process, Marcus Foster destroyed the program. I think it's interesting that in your podcast with Thomas Gibson, and good job, Gills, on the 10 of 12, mm-hmm. he admitted that Wesley Owandu was part of the problem. Marcus had poisoned his entire recruiting class. Everyone younger, all of the Bruce Weber people were poisoned by Marcus. All that was left really were Thomas Gibson and and the guys that were left over from Frank Martin. So Bruce Weber went to Thomas and said, save this locker room. And that's not really how you do that. You know, anyhow, uh, again, he lost the locker room there. And and I'm going to vent a little bit here because we knew Cartier Jada wasn't the poster child sweetheart that fans thought he was. We, we knew there were some issues with this guy. And we got hammered for it. Maybe a former employee didn't handle that so eloquently, but we knew there was a problem. But some of you acted like we were the problem. By that standard, when my doctor told me I had cancer, I should have punched him. Because that's all we were doing, saying there's a cancer on this team, and you blamed us. We were wrong. No, we weren't, man. We weren't. We're just trying to tell you what's going on with K-State sports. All you can see now is how Cardi handled his departure. He left, he found a new home with a coach he trusted, and quit. 
to ever think Bruce Weber thought that could be your team leader should be a red flag. In hindsight, I think we can now understand one thing perfectly clear. That Bruce Weber won with someone else's locker room and, and players a, a Big 12 title. And then he got incredibly fortunate with Barry Brown and Dean Wade. He just did. And Barry was a natural leader who provided everything Rodney Magruder provided for the first championship team. Literally everything. A shot maker, a leader, a, a forceful personality that led by example and words. Probably more than Rodney, but Barry stepped into a breach that they needed someone to fill. I don't know that there's anyone on this roster that fills that right now. Maybe that will come. But I don't see it being developed by the coach. That's to build to build on your point that Bruce has never won with his own locker room. I'd I'd argue that he won with Barry Brown's locker room. That wasn't Bruce's locker room. <laughs> Barry Brown called his own private practice. You know, they ran their own practice after that Texas Tech game, you know, two was it two years ago, three years ago? I don't remember how long ago it was, but he turned it around. Barry Brown, not Bruce Weber. Barry Brown lit the fire that got these guys going. So 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 it's clear to me that that Bruce needs a locker room general. And I don't like you said, Fitz, I don't know if there's anybody in this locker room right now that it that it is. You know, you hope that it's Nigel Pack at this point, but I, I don't know. You know, it's it's early to see. It's going to take a little bit of time. You guys correct okay. me if I'm wrong, but Marcus was a really good kid when he's a freshman, right? He was. He but, was. I mean, that's entirely Bruce's fault. I don't care. I, you know, I know he got some feedback from the NBA and, and all that, and he did some bad stuff off the court, but Bruce has got to keep him in check, and that's that's mm-hmm. all on him. And like you said, with talking with Gip, he, he outlined all that stuff, and at the end of the day, it's all on Bruce. You can't rely on on your players to lead the locker room. You're the head coach of the program. That's on you. Someone will fill that gap. If you've got a need for leadership, someone will fill it. And unfortunately, you get it filled by guys who aren't looking out. They just want to lead in their own interests, not the programs. And that's what happened with both Marcus and and Cartier. Uh, Zach, I'm not sure we've ever really discussed this on publicly. Gip alluded to it, so I'm going to say it. When this team went to Hawaii and played in a basketball tournament that year, Marcus announced to everyone when they weren't playing well in the locker room, in front of his coaches, that his teammates needed to get it together because they're playing for thousands and he's playing for millions. We know that took place. What an insult to your teammates. And the irony is he's playing for thousands and Wesley Wandu's playing for millions now. (laughs) Because Wes saved himself. Wes corrected his behavior within the confines of the program and became a much better basketball citizen. I'm not going to talk about off-the-court stuff, but Wes took care of his business on the practice court, in the locker room, and started to work on his game. Not early enough by my standards. I don't think Wes ever got serious about fixing his shot until he realized it was about money. I mean, he started to get interested in it before his senior season. It didn't. It got better, but it wasn't great. And he's improved on it, but he'll never be a shooter. 
I mean, he just didn't put enough work in when he was young, I don't think. He's, he is what he is. He's a great defender, rebounder. He's a blue-collar guy. Exactly what Dejuan Gordon should be. Exactly the same dude. But Wes had to find that on his own, basically. And I'm glad Wes corrected himself because it changed his life. It changed his life. From Anderson Blumont, the Final Four weekend seems to be a common opportunity for athletic directors to mingle with possible replacement coaches after a firing. Do COVID restrictions prevent Gene from attending and fishing around for replacements in Indianapolis if Bruce Weber is let go? I don't think that will be important. I, I mean, I, I don't. It it would help. Um, maybe, but I, I think Gene has a short list. Every AD has a short list. I mean, honestly, if I'm Bruce Weber and Illinois State comes open or something like that, and they offer you a decent contract, I'll probably go. Even if it's a pay cut over the long term, it probably won't be. So I don't know. I'm, It would be a good place to interview candidates if you do have an opening, but I imagine he zeroed in on a couple people. And the the advantage here is there won't be a lot of openings. There will be some openings. We were surprised how many there were in football, but I think with basketball, I don't think there will be a ton of openings because it doesn't have the same financial importance as football. Yeah, I don't think it's going to matter too much. Plus, if you go back to climbing, it's not like they were flying around the country or flying people into Manhattan to to get people in. They were doing it over Zoom, just like we're doing now. They were ahead of their time doing interviews via video conferencing. So to expect anything less than that uh, or anything more than that um, would be wild to me, I guess. Like you said, Fitz, I think he knows who he wants to call if, if – you know, if the decision is made that, that Bruce is done, you know, I think that Gene's going to have no problem talking to or meeting the next head coach. I don't think that he, I, I don't think he needs to go to a conference or or any place where there's a bunch of coaches sitting around to get a feel and be like, you know what, this is the guy we want to take back to Manhattan with us. I mean, I, I don't know how many how many. ADs go to the store, so to speak, pick a coach off the shelf and take them back to their school. I just, you know, they, they know what they want. They know what they're going to order. They just order it themselves. They don't need to go pick it out. Gills? Uh, you know, I don't know why we're even having this discussion because Gene's not going to do anything, but <laughs> I agree with you, Zach. I, I think he's already got his options weighed out. I. I think you're having a flashback because John Curry went to the same, did the same thing and talked with Bruce Weber and fell in love. Where? At, at the coaches convention. Oh, really? Yeah. It was love at first sight, huh? Mm, love at, at passive aggressive first sight. What, <laughs> uh, what do you think Bruce Weber said to Doug Sermons? That guy. your family. That, that was so funny. I love CJ Moore's tweet. That was so funny. How's your family? Technical. Uh, it's my understanding Bruce doesn't curse. I've never heard him curse. People thought Bill Snyder didn't curse. Ha. Huh. But you, you, to get a T that quickly, you normally would have to say the magic word that starts with F and isn't fun. 
but I don't friends. Think, I don't think he said that. I think he just questioned a block charge call and Doug Sermons being Doug Sermons teed him up. Doesn't do that with other coaches though very often. Interesting. It's almost like there he, was a, he's not intimidated by Bruce. He just likes to push him around. There used to be a good website a few years ago where you could see the data on every official and you could figure out, you know, their tendencies, fouls, technicals that their crew calls. That's gone. You can't, you have to do the, the work yourself. No. That, that website's dead, but I would love to see how frequently Doug Sermons himself Call the you know just pull stuff like that you know he's in charge he's gonna let you know he's in charge and I have no clue what Bruce said and maybe it was a buildup over time of a bunch of little stuff and maybe maybe there's just one more little thing that set Doug off I don't I don't really know doesn't I don't doesn't really matter now it didn't really matter then I don't know as, as I. T- Texted you guys, if a Twitter account shows up called Doug Sermon's Whistle, there's a chance it's me. There's a chance it's me, which gives someone out there a great opportunity to start it up and blame it on me. Yeah. But the the reason I, it won't be me is that would require me watching him officiate non-K-State games for quality Twitter content. I can't stand him to watch the games I need to watch, let alone games I just want to watch because of an official. That's probably the same reason the person with the cool website gave it up. That sounded like really neat information. Collecting it was not. That could not have been fun. Ugh. Yeah. Next question is from KNED. If pharma gagging was to be rescheduled, who would you take? And I would take the day off. That's what I would take. I like it. Um, I don't just it's such a random thing. I mean, K-State played extremely well the first time around and won. Maybe they do it again. I don't know. The conference isn't going to reschedule the game. It has no importance to anything. My only thought, I don't know who Iowa State's supposed to play on Saturday. I meant to check that out. Let's just go look. Iowa State basketball schedule. Okay. Iowa State on Saturday has uh, Oklahoma coming in. Oklahoma will probably be able to make it. I was going to say if if Iowa State can't get in their game Saturday, and there's a good chance right now K-State will not be able to go to TCU because of the weather, Maybe you just play Saturday, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. I think they'll be fine for Saturday, but they're not going to reschedule the game because it doesn't matter to the Big 12. It doesn't affect the conference standings in any way, and it doesn't affect um, the any kind of postseason. So, I don't know. If Iowa State, well, if Iowa State does win that game and both teams are 1-17 or, or whatever – I know that the percentages, if somebody plays less games, they'll finish higher. But what is the tiebreaker for ninth place? There wouldn't be at that point. All the tiebreakers would be tied. First place, I think, right? But they would all be the same. They'd lost everyone else. Is it coin flip? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. literally think you just right. – Yeah, I think you end up for the seedings. You know, technically you still are you, – you both get ninth. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm talking about the seeds for the. But third. yeah, I think you flip a coin. Yeah. yeah. Unless they did percentages, and if Iowa State doesn't make up all their games, then K State would. Well, 
Iowa State needs to win a game. They'd have to beat K State in the makeup. Yeah, that's that a, that's the, an interesting that is point. The main contingency here. So if Iowa State, if they make up the game and Iowa State wins, and K State ends up one and seventeen, but Iowa State doesn't make up another game, they finish one and sixteen. They would they would be ninth place. Yes, that is <laughs> correct, and that's how the coaches voted, huh. as Bruce Weber said. Uh, that is how they the voted thing. on how they would do it. What if Oklahoma State? is the seven seed and they're right on the bubble uh, and the big 12 wants to get them into the tournament, the, the NCAA tournament. And it could come down to, okay, if the 10 seeds going to be K state, do we want them to play K state? But if it's going to be Iowa state, if the bit, you know, Gills, I'm, just gonna cut, I'm gonna cut you off Gills. I'm going to cut you off. If the big 12 wanted to do anything for one of their teams to get them into a tournament or a playoff, they would have called Baylor or TCU the champion instead of calling them both champions. Yeah. I don't even remember which one was supposed to was technically the champion because they won the head to head in the season, but they decided to call them co-champions and tried making it <laughs> passing the buck to the college football playoff committee in their first time ever doing it. Maybe one of them would have gotten in had they not played that, but no, the Big Twelve is not going to interfere in a seven ten game. Oh. <laughs> give me a give me a break. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like beating either K-State or Iowa State would really have that much impact. In fact, it would probably lower your schedule ranking. Oh, what a horrible season. What, what, it's like, it, it, it is the COVID season because everything about it reminds me of how miserable everything else is. It's just awful. Final question of the first half for Mountain Dew Cat 74. Will it ever be fun to be a K-State fan again? God, I hope so. But yes, better times will come. Hopefully baseball, which we'll talk about in the second half. Baseball gives us some hope. It's like a metaphor for America. Just when you think things are lousy, spring comes along and... And the air begins to warm and the smack of the ball and the glove and the crack of the bat or the ding. It's college baseball. It's hope. It's a thud now. Oh, yeah. Thud. It's hope, folks. K-State baseball isn't going to suck. And that should be their marketing motto for this year. K-State baseball. We won't suck. We'll be back. PowerCat Podcast. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast brought to you by The Fridge. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Make sure you support all of them. Make sure you get into the fridge whenever you can. Gills, do you have your phone on speaker? Uh, uh, yes. Okay, we're getting some feedback, Gills. My roommate's yelling? No, we're, no, it's, we're, we're hearing us. Oh, boy, is it my fault? Yes, everything so. is your fault. Can you still hear it? No, no. Well, I'm not talking. Yeah, no. Um, okay, I turned my volume down, speaker volume. I want to think about this. Do uh, you not have headphones? I do, but they're downstairs. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> this podcast is garbage because Here, I'll put myself on mute and downstairs. Oh, my Be God. Be back at 30, everyone. Okay. Zach, he's kind of high maintenance. Let's talk about him while he's gone. He's probably still listening to us. Oh, I don't think he is. Um, we'll find out when he plugs in and he'll be like, yeah, we heard, I heard that. <laughs> uh, have you noticed that everything with K-State sports started to go downhill when he joined the staff? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Hey, just because I'm getting my headphones doesn't mean I killed it. I, I, uh, yeah, I, told, I told you, Vince. He was still <laughs> listening. <laughs> oh... Let's get rolling now. Gills is plugged in, and here are your questions from Wabash Station. Zach. From Salthawk Cat, since there's a lot of negativity being associated with the current state of our basketball program, share something positive. What is your favorite all-time memory associated with K-State men's basketball? Mm. Mm, mm, mm. I'll go first. Go ahead. 2010 NCAA tournament, Oklahoma City. Because Uh, you have... That that's was it a Saturday or Sunday? I don't know. The second round, whatever day it was, doesn't really matter what day the the game was on. But you have K State BYU, which is a great game. But before that, the undercard game was Northern Iowa versus it was it's Northern Iowa, right? Yeah. I'm not okay. I, I I don't know why my brain had a lapse there, but yes, Northern Iowa beats KU, and that's just fun getting to cheer against KU and then cheer for K-State right after. That place was rocking. That is the most fun I've had at a K-State game. And that includes the first two times K-State beat KU in Manhattan. It beats 08 for me. I I probably, um, I really remember the shot heard around the world when Rolando hit the shot against Oregon State. I've got a great memory of attending games in Ahern as a fan and as a sports writer. I shared some of that with Gills up in the crow's nest. Wow. That was so weird. Can you imagine trying to say in modern era that you got to climb a ladder to get to your seat? That that wouldn't fly. Um, but I probably have to go with the, the game where they finally broke the dreadful streak at home with KU and Beasley and company did that. I mean, that was so significant and such an unexplainable run by KU and Bramlage. All goes back to my theory that 1998, excuse me, 1988 in Pontiac, Michigan, a a KU fan made a deal with the devil. And part of the curse was they wouldn't lose in, in Manhattan. It's just crazy. But yeah, great memories. They'll be back. 
not next year. Maybe not the year after. They'll they'll be back, kind of. I'm I'm mad. I've I've, I've arrived at the mad. I'm angry. We ended as as a university. The cycle of Tom Asbury and Jim Woldridge was ended by a bold hiring of Bob Huggins that led to Frank Martin. And honestly, Bruce Weber continued it. And now it's all gone. All of that is gone. The program's in worse shape today than it was when Bob Huggins was hired to replace Jim Woldridge. And I'm I'm pissed. I'm pissed that we've let this happen. That leadership has let this happen. Expect more people. Too many damn settlers out there. Expect more. I'll say that January 30th, 2008 was my favorite K-State basketball memory as well when they beat KU. But my sophomore year, when they won the Big 12 of college, me and my friends were front row for a majority of those conference games. And that was just, it's crazy. It seems like it's just yesterday when the team was really good and there was a real energy inside of Ramwich. And it's like you said, Fitz, it's gone. It's, it's been lost. It's all gone. It's, it's a distant memory. It's good times, though. Next question is from Anderson Blumont. Moving on to some football recruiting mm. stuff. It seems like the football staff has problems landing some, not all, of the top in-state recruits because they go to uh, they go to places out of state that seem more glamorous. These recruits do. What can K-State football do to portray a more glamorous image and have all of the in-state kids begging to get in? And what does Iowa have that K-State doesn't? And that's in relation to Caden Crawford there. Yesterday. I, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think it didn't help K-State at all not to have crowds last season. Because if if you walk into Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and it's much better than it used to be. It used to be just a joke. Um, it's still not overwhelming. I mean, if you look at other stadiums, they're a lot more impressive empty. But on game day, that place is magical. And there's no denying it. It's special. And that's the kind of feeling a guy like Deuce Vaughn experienced in his recruiting. They just have to win more, man. Hey, there's skills. They just have to win more. You have to make recruits feel like they're going to be part of something special. So somewhere in the recruiting process, there's a disconnect. If a clown like P.J. Fleck is stealing recruits out of Kansas to go to the cold of Minnesota, I know they're playing indoors now, but or they don't. They play no, outdoors. They don't. Yeah, they no, moved they, outdoors. They play, out, they play outside. It doesn't make sense to me that you're losing guys to go north. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me that you're losing guys to go to the Big Ten because the schools they're picking aren't competitors in the big scope of things in the Big Ten. But they could be at K-State. That's really tangible. So, I don't know. It's hard to explain. 2022 is creeping into disappointing already. They better start to lock down. It's a really good year in the state of Kansas. And if they get their clock cleaned on this recruiting class, you start to question some things. Some things that you really like. You begin to wonder why they're not recruiting better in the state of Kansas. Because I don't care if you're in Kansas, Texas, 
Minnesota, or North Dakota, you have to lock down a recruiting base and own it. And they're not. They're, they're just not. And if they don't find a way to do that in 22, which was the class I kind of pointed to, we've got to be here three years. And that's, that's not just talk. You need three years of groundwork with recruits to really get it done. This lost a guy who had zero groundwork with Iowa. They swooped in and took him. You need to question some things at that point. Yeah, I agree. It seemed like he was going to be a sure, you know, a sure thing for K-State. Maybe not necessarily a sure thing, but much closer and easier than what Iowa just did. You know, they just swoop along and pick him up. But I think that not having, you know, on-campus visits, I mean, I think that hurts a lot. I think this last year has hurt a lot. And, you know, when I, when I see K-State lose a recruit like this, you know, anytime I try not to say, you know, this is, you know, this is a bad trend. You know, it's just, you know, when you lose an individual battle, you lose an individual battle like that. And, you know, when you add a whole bunch of them up, yeah, it looks bad. And yes, K-State needs to be winning more in Kansas, but I don't get overly upset when they lose a guy like this. It would have been great to have Caden Crawford, but you know, these kids, they can make their own individual choices. You know, if, I don't. I don't know what what K State can do better. I mean, K State's pretty middle of the road facilities wise, program wise, when you compare, you know, to other schools and other conferences. And I think that being, you know, we cover K State, and when we see guys go to Minnesota, you know, well, we understand the benefits of K State, and from the outside, we don't understand why how somebody like PJ Fleck can just pluck kids from Kansas and and take them to Minnesota. It doesn't make sense to us, but when you're a recruit and you're a high school recruit and you're looking at playing time and potential success at, you know, your respective universities, I think that they're a lot closer in comparison. The schools are than what K-State fans probably want to admit and much closer than I want to admit, you know, we hold K-State in a very high regard. We know what the history has been. We know what the facilities are. But, you know, it, it seems strange when you lose to your Minnesotas, your Iowas, Iowa State, you know, even Nebraska, other places in the conference, your, your Oklahoma States. You know, yeah, it's frustrating. But, you know, I think that K-State's a lot closer. And when schools like that pop up, it, it may not be as, as easy of a decision to pick K-State as it seems for us. One thing I'll say is I think the frustration with Crawford is that K-State lost him. It's not that they yeah. didn't, you know, you know what I mean? So I get it. I, if you can't get someone close in Kansas City, that's okay. That's fine. But the fact that they kind of lost him is where the frustration boils with that. Agreed. But I, I still think that the staff is putting a, a good emphasis and probably a better emphasis on in-state guys and Kansas City Metro kids than, than the previous staff did. I feel like they're having some more success there. So I think – there's some, there's a combination of things, you know, the pandemic, the new staff, I think just there's kind of this hurdle here that they just got to break through. And this is just kind of a casualty of that. It would have been a, a huge win going forward, but it's just, I see it just more as a, a smaller setback than, than a complete disaster. I don't see it as, as a big deal right now. Okay. They, they better stop this. I mean, this better not yeah. be part of a wave. 
But yeah, you're right. It it's troubling, but if they can correct this as this recruiting class goes on, I'll be fine with it. My my final thought on this is this. We always talk about K-State being about the people. So when there's no one on campus, no one in the stadium, you you don't have in-person contacts, you know, with recruits, it's it's not about the people at that point. It's about other things, and that's a big disadvantage to K-State. And another recruiting question from K-Ned. In the latest in-state recruiting update from Wally, the prospects of landing many of them uh, were lessened to a degree. How much of a factor is K-State as an institution not selling itself to students across the state like the WeFall days? K-State seems like it is only held held in high regard by K-Staters and not the rest of the state and the state residents. While there is always, while there will always be a segment looking to leave, that segment seems larger than normal. And K-State is sort of a backup plan school for non-legacy students. Uh, the point is, if the best students from these schools were high on K-State, those players would feel even more purple pressure. I have nothing really to add to it. I think that's a great observation. I think K-State's value in the eyes of high school Juniors and seniors has declined in the last year, few years. But it started under Schultz, and it's continued. And I just don't think there's an urgency to go to K-State. It doesn't feel like the spot anymore because it was. It really was. Academically and socially, it was the spot to go to when Weefold really had it clicking. So maybe they need to go back to that playbook and, and figure out what works so well. And it really was. Again, person-to-person contact. Student recruiters in the high schools talking to kids, making a con- concerted effort to go get the best students and offer them scholarships, offer them incentives to come to Manhattan, and with them came friends. So, yeah, needs to be more aggressive. There's a lot of things I would change if I was university president. First, Aggieville would be moved on campus. That would help. <laughs> really help. I mean, I know I've talked about this in the past, but take it from me, and I know that I grew up in Manhattan, and this is a little different than just being a normal state resident, but my freshman year, I didn't go to K-State. I wanted to get out of Manhattan. Yes, I ended up back up at K-State, and that's you know another story, but I did initially go out of state somewhere else. I went to Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State offered, you know, if you score a 25, that's all you have to get, a 25 on your ACT, you can get out-of-state tuition like removed you're basically you get a scholarship or you get it subsidized somehow at at the end of the day you're paying in-state tuition so it's easier to to go out for just a normal student Hmm. you know there's there's a better outlook there and i don't think that i don't know what k-state i think k-state might be doing that to for, for other states now or they're starting to or they've started to look at it but you know when there's other options out there and they're they're going to be similar in price and experience to what you can get just staying, you know, in Manhattan or in the state of Kansas. Yeah, it makes sense that a lot of people are looking out, you know, to go elsewhere, especially in a time like this where, you know, student loan prices are going up. You know, the cost of tuition is insane. It doesn't reflect what I think is probably a true market value on the degree. And I think a lot of, you know, you're seeing these, you know, K-State enrollments down, enrollments down across the board a lot of places. And it's just the value just isn't there for a lot of students right now. 
And K-State needs to figure out a way to portray to high school students why a degree from K-State is valuable and why it is worth it. But when tuition keeps going up, when on-campus housing and dining keeps going up, what's the value? You know, when you when you have to when you can only get a, you know, a, a $15 an hour job out of college, you know, trying to pay this degree off, you know, what, what are you, what are you doing? You know, how can you make that a sell to somebody? And then when you want to talk to alumni, you know, not everybody's getting huge jobs right out of college, you know, or a job that's good enough to say, Hey, I'm glad that I went to college, you know? So I think it's just a, it's, it's more of a college thing than a K-State thing to an extent. But yeah, k you had a lot of great points in your question. Yeah, Zach, sometime we'll have a podcast. The true story, why Zach was run out of Oklahoma. <laughs> I, was, I was a spy for a year. He tried had to, to rob a Whataburger. Here, take all the money. I don't want the money. I want your fries and burgers. And the ketchup. Yeah, and the I, ketchup. I was there. I spent a lot of money on Whataburger that year. I will admit that. Yeah. From Oiler Cat 2, with Coach Messingham and Coach Ray switching position groups, does this seem to indicate a bigger effort to get the passing game going more in 2021? Uh, that's what Coach Kleiman said. I think – Oiler Cat might understand that. I I think that's what it's being advertised as. I think it's bigger than that. I mean, it was about trying to get him more in tune with his receivers, but I think probably they wanted to get some different eyes on the receivers because the receivers haven't been productive. Try to get some different tutoring. And Courtney Messingham's coached receivers in the past. But, yeah, that's, that's the point is try to get the receivers more involved because they have to be. But it's not just about getting involved. It's about being more available to be involved. So we'll see if, if that really adds some benefits to uh, the mix of the offense because you can't be one-dimensional. You just can't. doesn't matter which dimension it is. You bigger, better figure it out and be multifaceted. Yeah, I think there will be a bigger effort in the passing game, but I don't think it's going to look too different than what we've seen. You might see some more passing play calls. I think you'll see better execution. I think that's that's half of it from the last couple, you know, at least last year. The execution just wasn't there. You know, the passing game was just just bad. And knowing that it's so bad means that, hey, you know, you got to find Briley Moore. You got to find Deuce Vaughn. You know, those are going to be your passes when you need to throw the ball and your receivers aren't doing anything. So I think you'll see a better production from the wide receivers, but I don't think that you're going to see an offensive scheme change, so to speak. It's still going to be very Messingham-style offense. It's just the wide receivers are hopefully going to be better coached and better utilized. I don't know if the receiving core will be better this year, but I think Casey did a good job addressing – uh, its presence on TikTok. I think that will be greatly increased with this recruiting class. And I'll let someone else explain that reference on the message boards. I'm not going to get into it here. Talking about Shane Porter? Oh, so you did get into it. You just brought it up, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Talking about talking about Emily running the account. 
If you don't know Shane Porter, uh, Seth Porter's younger brother has, I don't know, million followers like a on million, TikTok? Yeah. Like a million followers on TikTok. It's unbelievable. Uh, last question of the podcast from old school. What is the upper limit for the baseball team this year? Can we hope for an NCAA tournament berth? Yeah, yeah. I, if if you're interested in baseball, make sure you go back and listen to that first half of the Insiders podcast from this week because we it was an interesting addition because we had some scheduling issues trying to match up Matt and and Jay. So we, we divided in half, um, and Gills was under the weather, so we were shorthanded. So Matt and I talked about baseball, women's basketball, um, and football in the first half. And then we brought Jay in when he was freed up from work and talked about basketball, men's basketball in the second half. So Matt, who does a lot of play-by-play for K-State baseball, talked about K-State being picked for seventh in the conference. And it's not because K-State's going to be mediocre. In fact, he said they might have the best starting pitching in the conference. The, the issue is that the conference is loaded and that all the top seven teams in this conference could well get into the NCAA tournament field, which would be astonishing. K-State will be competitive because it has the starting pitching to be competitive and maybe the defense to be competitive. We'll see if the offense comes along. But it's going to be an intriguing year, and I think we're going to delve into the covering uh, baseball a little bit. I, I've called a uh, partial staff meeting on Friday night at Tanner's to discuss this. Um, and uh, we're going to really delve into if we want to how we want to cover baseball because we're going to invest some resources in baseball but we're not going to cover game by game I mean that's just not a good use of resources that's that's paying someone to sit there for three hours a day plus whatever work time they have after that and that just I mean even at 10 bucks an hour we're looking at 50 dollars for every game and Wow. So probably a, a series summary is probably what right. What we'll probably do that. it for, with analysis and 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 some features and and you know we'll get into the the whys instead of the whats more than that. So we'll we'll get into it. I'm I'm excited for baseball. Um, I like Pete Hughes a lot. I think he's a good fit, and his he and his staff have done a good job bringing in talent. The cancellation of the remainder of the season. Uh, got about a third of the season in and hadn't started conference play when everything was shut down. And maybe it wasn't even a third, but... I thought they got like four games in. I No, I think they got more than that in. I, I didn't need to go back. I swear they... Yeah, they had, a, they had, I think, like 15 games yeah, or so. Yeah, um, They'd been out on the road. But, um, you know, we wondered what would happen because all those players were granted an extra year. And they came back. They came back because without the season, they didn't get to display anything for the MLB draft, which was also screwed up. And this year's is shoved back a little bit, I guess. So they're loaded. They've got some really good players. they got an expanded roster, which is silly. Baseball needs more scholarships. Just stupid that they're so limited on scholarships. But um, uh, so, yeah, I think Toynton could be fun. I don't know what the, you know, it's outside. So it'll be intriguing to see what they do with crowd attendance, but they have beer. Now I think we can all agree with K-State sports this year, you need beer. You really, really need beer to get through the season. That's, that's, that's it. it. That was it. Nobody else has thoughts. I'll go to the games and work them if I can get beer. Sure. I, I think I, I don't think that Fitz allows mm, that. Mm. I don't think drinking on the well, yeah, Fitz doesn't allowed. have to know about it, of course. Oh, 
Oh, now he knows. Oh. Well, we will discuss the inappropriate nature of drinking during and while working. That's the same thing, by the way. Uh, during our Friday staff meeting while we're drinking. That makes sense. Well, that kind of sum, yeah. sums up the podcast. I'm not sure it made sense. Sorry about the technical issues. Uh, Gil's, yeah, my apologies. Gills uh, can't afford internet. He actually, they have pet gerbils that run their internet connection. They have to get on the wheels. And when those gerbils are tired, man, they, they just take a break. They just lay down. Mm-hmm. Don't rely on rodents for your internet. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.